All right, church family, we're going to go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 18 to begin today. Uh, we looked at this last week, and I want to look at it again today in the Amplified Version, Amplified Translation, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. We want to begin today and look at this in our Amplified Translation. I'm doing a series this month called The Spirit of Thanksgiving. And I pray that you're learning, that, that I'm learning, we're growing together, not just observing a holiday one day a year. Wouldn't it be sad if we're only thankful one day a year? Would that be sad? Yeah, yeah, that, that would be terrible if we could only remember to thank God one day a year. But we learned in the first week that giving thanks is really coming back to God. Like that one leper out of the ten that was healed who came back and said, thank you. We're not just receiving God's goodness and just moving on and forgetting about it. We're circling back. We're coming back. Thanksgiving says, God, I remember what you've done. I recognize it. And I thank you for it. And let's look at this about when is giving thanks appropriate and why should we give thanks? Look at this. In every situation, let's say that, every situation. In fact, come on, it's all in front of us. Let's all read this together. Come on, just look at with me. Let's read. You ready? In every situation... No matter what the circumstances, be thankful and continually give thanks to God. For this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. That's strong. Do you know you just spoke the word of God? Do you know that as we read that, we said what God says about life? So here's what I want us to see. In every situation... No matter what the circumstances, it is the will of God for you and I to be thankful. Now, I want to take us into another level of understanding why that's so true today. In every situation, in no matter what the circumstances, what does the Bible say? Be thankful and what? Continually give thanks to God. That's the will of God for us. In every situation, no matter what the circumstances, or think about where you are right now. Maybe it's the best day of your life. Or maybe to be quite honest, it's tough right now. But the good news is, is that we should learn to be thankful in all those circumstances. In every one of those situations. Because there's thanks that we give to God when all is well. And today we're going to look at some situations, how we give thanks to God before we know how it's going to turn out. All right? So I began to look at this, and I was talking to Phyllis and I. We were talking this week, and, and I said, you know, uh, as I look at this spirit of thanksgiving, there's something turning over in my spirit that I felt like the Holy Spirit nudged me to do some study. And I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 14 with me, and uh, this is going to help us. How many of you think it would be important to pray like Jesus prays? Would you think his prayer life would be effective? All right. Would, would, would you think it would be important to not only pray like he prays, I think it would be important to know how did he give thanks. And so that's what I began to look at in, in, in the Gospels. How did Jesus give thanks? When did he say thank you to the Father? That began to intrigue me. The Holy Spirit prompted me and said, let's look at this. For what reason, when and where did Jesus give thanks? And, and, and what was the result of that? So it was, I, I found it very interesting. As I went through the four Gospels, there was really only three times in three settings that Jesus said, Father, I thank you. Now, that, that, that was interesting to me. One was when he broke the bread and the loaves. We're going to read about this. And fed 5,000 men and their families. During that, he said, Father, I thank you. The other situation where he gave thanks was at the Last Supper when he broke the bread. And shared the cup that represented the new covenant in his blood. He said, Father, I thank you. And then the third place 
was in John chapter 11 when he stood outside the tomb of Lazarus and he said, Father, I thank you. So we need to understand why he said thanks, what happened when he gave thanks, and how do we apply that to our life? So let me ask you again, how many want to pray like Jesus prayed? All right, how many want to give thanks like he gave thanks? How many want the results that happened when he did? Yeah. So let's look at this. It's powerful to see this, okay? Now, we're going to begin reading here in Matthew 14 and and verse number 13. Let me say this. The four Gospels, if you're new to reading your Bible, uh, are the Gospels are the account of Jesus' earthly ministry. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Each one of those was prompted by the Holy Spirit to write the account of Jesus' earthly ministry. Now, it's, it's a wonderful way if you read all of them. Uh, I've had some people say, well, why did this gospel say this about the event? And this gospel say something else about the event. Well, it's a beautiful thing. It's like God interviewed four peop- witnesses and you put them together and we get the whole thing. It would be like a, 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 an automobile accident. Well, I'm going to work tomorrow. Somebody ran a red light, bang. And so the police come and what they want to do is talk to everybody that was there. And if you get information from all four perspectives, you were on that corner and you were on that corner and he was on that corner and you were over there. And if you interview all the witnesses and then put it all together, you see what really happened. Well, that's what the four gospels are. And, and, and as these four, uh, disciples were led of the Holy Spirit to write their account of, of his earthly ministry, only one event and all four of those gospels was record, only one event that he did was recorded in all four Gospels. Only one, when he fed the 5,000. Now, there's another situation a little later where he fed 4,000 men and their family. So this miraculous event had, had uh, two different times Jesus did that. One, he fed 5,000 men and their families. And later on, he fed 4,000 men and their families. But the one of the 5,000, all four Gospels recorded. It's interesting to me, the setting. Let's look here in Matthew 14 and verse 13. It says, when Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. What had just happened? Earlier in that chapter, John the Baptist had been beheaded. And so here comes the news that his forerunner, his relative, had just been executed, martyred, because he was a man of God. And the news reaches Jesus, and you understand, don't you? When I ask you, how would we like to pray like he prayed and and give thanks like he thanks, some people might think, well, I can't pray like he prayed because I'm not Jesus. Or I can't thank like he gave thanks because I'm not Jesus. But what you must not fail to see is that while he was here on earth for those 33 years, the Bible is clear that he lived his life completely limited to to the reaches of humanity, just like you and I. He never stopped being God by nature, but he laid down all the privileges of being God. And everything you read of Jesus doing here in the Gospels, he did it with all the limitations of every one of us in this room. And we can't fail to to see that. And so Jesus hears of his relative, his friend, his ministry partner executed, his head cut off. And what was his response? What yours and I might be when he heard what had happened he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place he said i need some time he wanted to grieve it was tough news and so just like you and i we would let me sit down for a minute let me catch my breath this is bad but watch this so he he's trying to get a private moment 
But we read hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, so look at this. He's, he's trying to get a moment. You understand that? He needs to grieve. He, he wants to catch his breath. And so he gets in a boat and he said, I've got to go. I've got to get away from these crowds. But when they saw the boat leave, they started running along the shore trying to outguess. So he gets out of the boat and the crowd's waiting on him. Now tell the truth. What are you and I might be tempted to do at that moment? Uh, we might want to, you know, if we were Jesus, we might say, Lord, strike them blind and let me run and get out of here right now. Or, or don't let them see me. Or good grief, when is enough enough for these guys? But look what Jesus did. Uh, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, what happened? He had compassion on them and healed their sick. He was tired. His heart was broken. He wanted to be alone. But when he saw these hurting people, he had compassion. And he not only had compassion, he took the time to heal them. And it was a huge crowd. It took hours and hours. You see the love of God. Aren't you thankful for Jesus? So as evening approached, look at this. It's a long day. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away. So they can go to the village and buy themselves some food. But Jesus replied, they do not need to uh, go away. You give them something to eat. Wow. Uh, and they said, well, Lord, we have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. He said, well, bring them here to me. Isn't it amazing that what looks like your worst moment, <laughs> God knows what he's going to do. John's account in John 6 said he already had in mind what he was going to do. He was just going to see who would give him a chance to be God in that situation. And sometimes we quit on God before we give him a chance for the big moment. And what looks like I'm in trouble is actually his opportunity. He's setting you up to see his power in a greater way. And so, so here's Jesus. He's tired. His body's tired. His mind's tired. His humanity says, I need to go take a nap. But his heart says, these people are hurting. I'm going to heal them. These people are hungry. I'm not even going to feed them. I'm going to let these disciples in on a miracle. And I, and, and I like this because I, I just think that here at Calvary and any church that wants to, we certainly don't hold the market on this. My goodness, we're just trying to do what we can. But I'm just thankful that, that when we respond to a need, when we do Jesus and his friends, when we feed and, and when we bring people in and we buy gifts and, and we do what we didn't have to do, I believe Jesus already has a plan and he's just looking for you and I to say, okay, Lord, I'm going to take what I have. And do what I can and put it in your hands. And he says, come on, we can do something now. So, so he says, you know, what do you have? They said, five loaves, two fish. He said, okay, give it to me. So do you know that sometimes it's harder to give him the little things and the big things? Are you with me today? Because it's easy for us to say, well, what difference will this make? Do you know that question has never come from God? Everybody still with me? Do you know God will never ask you, what difference does this make? Do you know that's never what God says to us? And, and so sometimes, come on, listen, it's easier to give out of abundance than, get out of, than give out of lack. When, you, when, when you've got, uh, uh, you know, 24 hours a day of free time, it's easy to give him an hour. But when you've got 18 hours a day working and, it, 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 and you give him an hour, you, you really gave him something. Come on, how many, see what I'm saying? 
So, and, and not only is it sometimes harder to give out a lack than out of abundance, but not only, not only this, but they not only gave him what they had, they gave him all they had. <laughs> so everybody's still with me here. See, see these dynamics? So he says, what do you have? They said, this is it. He says, all right, give it to me. All right. Then he said, bring the people, bring it here to me. Verse 18. Bring him here to me, he said, verse 19. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass. Uh, the other accounts talk about they put them in groups. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. The disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. Thousands of people. But when they brought that to him and gave him what they had, Jesus took it. And you know what he did? He said, Father, thank you. We're going to get a pattern here. I want you to get this. And so in, in this place, before the answer came, it's easy to give thanks after you got healed. But it takes another level of faith to thank him before it happens. See, it's easy to give thanks when the food's on the table. <laughs> it's easy to give thanks at the end of the meal. But it's not as easy to give thanks before it. So looking at this absolute impossibility, Jesus approaches uh, this place where there is lack and limitation and, and impossibility. And that's where Jesus gives thanks. You know why? Because his thanks says, God, I know who you are, Father. I know your integrity, my father. I trust your faithfulness, my father. I know who you are. I've seen what you've done. And do you know what I've discovered? That giving thanks is almost always the precursor to the miracle happening in your life. And if you're praying for a miracle, you can't afford to wait to thank him until after the miracle. You have to begin to thank him before the miracle ever happens. So the pattern of Jesus is out of faith and out of trust. He looks to his father and says, before we see God be God, I just want to thank you. you do you understand? Can, can you see that? So what do you and I do from the pattern of Jesus when I'm facing limitation? What do I do? I just think, so, so watch this, in all circumstances, not for all circumstances. Jesus didn't say, oh, thank you for all these people. Thank you that we don't have any food. Thank you that we're all about to starve. Thank you that I'm going to get embarrassed. He says, bring it to me. Give me what you have. Father, I just want to thank you. See, he's so confident. Now listen, he was dealing with just like you and I. Do you understand this? This isn't heaven, Jesus. This is earth, Jesus. Now it's the same Jesus, but all the limits are on him right here. You understand this? And, and we don't like to thank God because we, uh, well, what if it doesn't happen? Well, what if it does happen? Well, I, I, I don't know if, I, how, how can I give thanks before? The pattern of Jesus. You all raised your hand. I saw you. God saw you. Camera got you on. There's your hand on the camera. Some of you turned around and said, hi, mom. You know, get, got, you're on there. And you said, I want to pray and give thanks like Jesus. So this is what he did before the miracle. He said, I thank you. I trust you. Let, let's, let's quickly go to Matthew 26 because I want to make some application here. Matthew 26. When was he, the other occasion of him giving me thanks was the Last Supper. There with the disciples in the upper room. And Matthew 26 and verse 26. 
Some of these accounts, let me say this, Matthew 26, 26, as you read the four gospel accounts of feeding the 5,000, and some, the word used, it says he blessed the food. He blessed it, and then he gave thanks. It was common, when, when he blessed it, he just followed the Jewish custom and ceremony. They were to bless the food. Before they ate, they always blessed it. And so he did two things. He not only followed, see, watch this, he not only followed the religious protocol, and, and, and followed the religious law and said, Father, I bless it. And he spoke a blessing over the food. He said, but I got to add something to it. I want to thank you for it as well. See, he did what was required and then giving thanks goes beyond the requirement. You understand? When you thank him before, that's the pattern that we see Jesus doing. Now watch this, Matthew 26, verse 26. Well, they're in the upper room. He, he, he is within three to four hours of being arrested in the garden. And we read here, while they were eating, Jesus took bread, and what did he do? Gave thanks and broke it. It's, 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 it's just like that feeding the 5,000 again. Here we are back here with bread and a meal and thanks. Let, let's look at this. While they were eating, Jesus took bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave it to the disciples saying, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and offered it to them. Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood. Of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And so, so what did he say? This time, see, the, the, the miracle of taking five loaves and two fish and miraculously God multiplied it and feeding thousands of people was so important it was recorded in all four gospels. But what this meal, okay, I want you to see this, this meal, this miracle, this giving thanks, this breaking bread, this feeding people is the greatest miracle meal of all scripture because this meal was not just going to feed 5,000 men and their families. This meal was going to fill and feed billions of people who would be born on this planet. And it wouldn't be a meal to fill our stomachs. It would be a meal to change our hearts because he said he took his body. He said, the bread represents my body and he broke it. And you know what he did? Look, he's looking at the cross, guys. He knows what's about to happen. And he took the wine and he poured it in the cup and he said, this represents my blood. And he thanked God for it. And facing the cross, Jesus said, I'm thankful today. I thank you, Father. I'm about to walk not just through the valley of the shadow of death. I'm going to die. I, I'm, I'm going to be so hopelessly able to do something for myself. But I trust you and I thank you. Why, why could he thank you? This communion, this, this, the cross, his body and his blood broken. That's the greatest meal that's ever fed anything. It brought salvation to every human being who would ever receive it on the planet. But uh, Hebrews 12 says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. How could he give thanks knowing that his body was going to be beaten, that he was going to die on a cross, that he would be ridiculed and rebuked, and, 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 and all these things happen? Why? Because he knew, Father, I can trust you. I can trust you. Wow. I can trust you so much. I'm going to die. And I trust you. You're going to take care of me. See, on the cross, he said, into your hand, I commit my spirit. Lord, I commit my spirit. I trust you. I thank you. And when we start giving thanks, see, again, he thanked him before the moment. 
He thanked him before the resurrection. He thanked him on the way to the cross. See, sometimes following Jesus, when you know the will of God, it's not easy at the moment. How many hear what I'm saying? You know what obedience is asking you to do. You know what the word is telling you to do. And your flesh is saying one thing. Anybody with me? Is everybody perfect here today? Your flesh is telling you one thing. Temptation's telling you another thing. The easy road's crying your name, but you're willing to say, Father God, I trust you and I thank you on the front end of my obedience because it may cost me today, but you're going to take care of tomorrow. And I'm willing to die to today to believe you're going to do what I need tomorrow. So I say yes to you. I say yes to you. And by the way, I thank you for what you're doing right now in this situation. See the pattern of Jesus is that thanks to God declares I trust you before it happens. I believe you're going to do what you said. It always brings increase and miracles and multiplication while I'm willing to thank him on the front end. You see that? Let's look at John chapter 11. John 11, this other instance, when he's standing there outside the tomb of Lazarus. Now this is important. This is really important. I want you to see this. We see this pattern. How did Jesus pray? When did he give thanks? What was the pattern? Now, we understand in in, in John chapter 11, we're going to begin reading in, in verse number 39, that Lazarus had been dead how long? Four days. Four days. And And I believe Jesus intentionally waited for the fourth day because Jewish custom said that the spirit of a dead person hovered near them for the three days, for the first three days. It's just Jewish customs, not scripture. So they, 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 that, so a resurrection within the first three days would not have been as impressive to the Jewish mind. You understand? Although they'd never seen one happen again, but like this. But so fourth day. Isn't it interesting that sometimes Jesus appears to be too late? You ever had that feeling? You ever said, Lord, you missed that one? Come on. I found serving the Lord, sometimes he doesn't come as early as I want him to. But he always comes when I need him to. <laughs> How many are thankful for that? Come on, I have to be honest. I've had some days where I said, all right. You missed that one. I'm a, here, look, the day, the, I mean, God. You know, you know that when I'm sweating, he's not sweating. Come on, aren't you? This, this kind of crude, pardon me, just popped in my mind. I maybe shouldn't say it, but God doesn't need deodorant. All right, because you say, <laughs> he never sweats. You're sweating, he's not sweating. He's good. It's all right. He's just on bark. And so, four days dead. Four days dead. And, and so he, verse 39. Jesus once more, or, or 39, let me get to it. Uh, he, he tells him, take away the stone. But Lord, said Martha... The sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor. For he's been there four days. Verse 40. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you? Look at this. Do we believe? Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Man, I, I want to believe. See, I don't want to just hang on. Anybody with me? I don't want to just watch what everybody else did and hear about it. I want to believe. Because I want to see the glory of God. Do you want to see the glory of God in North Alabama? You want to see the glory of God in our church, in your home, in your family? The glory means the manifestation of his presence. He said, when you believe in me, I show up like and be only who God can be. 
So he says, I told you, just believe me. So verse 41, they didn't like it, but they took away the stone. Now watch this. We missed this. I've missed this. We have in our mind that Jesus came to the, to the mouth of the tomb where Lazarus was buried. And he prayed for Lazarus to be resurrected. He did not. He didn't pray about Lazarus being resurrected. That's not what he prayed. Watch this. What did he pray? Look at his prayer. Father, I just want to thank you. <laughs> Look at that. No miracle happened yet. Everybody looking at him like he's lost his mind. He's dead four days. There's an odor in there. You're going to embarrass the family. You're crude. You have no protocol. Don't you understand anything? And how's he pray? They're all looking at him. Father, I thank you. Look at this. He'd already been praying. See, here's the, here's the, look at his prayer life. He did not pray reactively. He prayed proactively. Okay. If my prayer life only gets going when I'm in trouble, I really don't have a prayer life. I just got a 911 is all I've got. Come on, everybody with me. But he said, look at this. He said, Father, I want to thank you that you have heard me. He had already taken care of that. You got me? So he says, and I knew that you've always, I know that you always hear me. See, how does he thank him before? He said, because I've been praying and I know you always hear me. You with me? But I said this for the benefit of these people standing around here. Isn't that what he says? What he says. That they may believe that you sent me. So all that had nothing to do with Lazarus. You get that? This is what. What did he pray to raise the dead? He didn't pray anything to raise the dead. Father, I just want to thank you. I, I know you've already heard me. And, and I know that you always hear me. And I'm only doing this for all these guys around here. And then he said, Lazarus, get up. That was it. Is that amazing? He didn't pray about Lazarus being raised from the dead. He said, thank you, Father. Lazarus, get up. That's how he did that. Do you get that? He prayed and said, thank you. And then he commanded dead men, get up. And you've heard all the preacher. Well, if he hadn't have said Lazarus, uh, the whole graveyard would have come out that day. You know, so, so what happened? He did. <laughs> He just didn't say, come forth. If he had just said, come forth, everybody would come walking out of those graves. You... So he had to be specific. Lazarus! You didn't think I could hoop. I could put Joey up there and play that. I could hoop if you wanted me to. <laughs> if you don't know what I'm talking about, don't worry about it. But I can do that if I need to. But sometimes you remember the hoop and forget the message. And that's why I try to... <laughs> Oh, you didn't go home with a hoop. What happened? I don't know. We hooped. What did he say? I don't know. But we hooped. Hooping won't help you on Monday. <laughs> but the word will help you on Monday. <laughs> oh, help us, Lord. What time is it? I got to hurry here. Lazarus resurrection. Not that moment. He had already prayed. And he just said, Lord, I want to thank you. Lazarus, come out. It, it, that's amazing. Do you see what Thanksgiving does? The pattern of Jesus is that I thank him before the miracle. I thank him when I'm looking at the lack. I thank him when it looks limited. I thank him when it's been four days. I thank him when it's too late. I thank him when I'm the only one thanking him. I just want to say, God, I thank you before I even have to ask. He thanked the Father and just commanded him, Lazarus. Get up and leave that tomb. 
So that's the pattern. That's how we pray. That's how we think. Look, look with me a couple more places and we're going to thank God. I'm trying to really be early here. Come, because I want us to do something. Philippians 4, 6. Please turn there. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6. There is a pattern that Jesus established. Uh, Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6. That will uh, change the way we pray. That will affect the way we look at God and situation. It is not a theory. It's something we have to put into practice. The spirit of thanksgiving. The Jesus pattern of giving thanks. Of course he thanked the father for what he had done. But when I study the gospels. His pattern of thanks was before it ever happened. Before it ever happened. Watch this. But based on what God had already done. Let me say that again. The pattern of Jesus is thanking God before it happened. Because he basing it on what he had already done. See, if I have a prayer life, if, what did Jesus say in, in, in uh, John 11? He said, Father, I want to thank you because I know you've heard me. And I know that you hear me when I pray. See, they had a relationship. You see that? He had been praying. He had had other prayers. God had shown up in his life. And he said, today, I just want to thank you because I've seen what you've already done. Now, I'm about to do a miracle here. And I'm not sweating that because I know who you are. And I'm not raising him from the dead. You're raising from the dead. I'm just representing you. Thank you, Father. Lazarus, get up. See, he, Lazarus is almost an afterthought. We, we focus everything on the resurrection, but it was a byproduct of the relationship and the thanks. Father, I know you hear me, and I just want to thank you. Get up, Lazarus. It was almost like you walked off. Oh, yeah, Lazarus, come on. And, uh, you know, he, he was already done, it was, it was already passed. In his mind, it was past tense. Lazarus comes hopping out in his grave clothes. He said, you get the grave clothes off of him. God's already raised him from the dead. So Philippians, here's the pattern, the Jesus pattern. Watch this. Verse 6, Philippians 4. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything. See, now listen, you will have plenty of opportunities to be anxious. Everybody with me? You will be presented many opportunities to stress out. And if you do not have a Jesus pattern of prayer and thanksgiving, you'll stress. The Bible never tells you stop being human. It tells you substitute God's life in place of what you do by yourself. What does that mean? Well, look, he says, don't be anxious about anything. Now, if it just stopped there, that's rough. Come on, that's tough. That wasn't a suggestion. That was a command. And what if that's all you, what if that's what the Bible did? Stop worrying. And just don't worry. Okay. But look, in place of that, you see this? Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything. When do we give thanks? In all circumstances, right? But in everything, by prayer and petition, oh, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. What happens when you pray the Jesus pattern? And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, you don't even have to explain it. Peace comes. See? Peace comes will guard your heart and your mind in Christ. So when I'm anxious and stressful and things don't look good, there's 5,000 people and, 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 and all their families that came over for Thanksgiving and all we had was a Happy Meal. My God, what am I going to do? He says, you should remember what I've done 
And as you ask me to meet this need, you ought to give me thanks right now. You don't have to wait to the other side. I've already shown you who I am and shown you what I've done. So while you ask me, thank me before the answer comes. And God says, then expansion, miracles, increase begins to happen in your life. What's the result of that? The peace of God guards me why does it guard me because sometimes the answer doesn't come in the next five seconds so i asked him and i thanked him and he says i'm going to wrap you in peace until the answer comes see how that works if i don't thank him if i don't ask him if i just deal with it myself i'm stressed and i'm worried and i'm anxious and i'm troubled but in place of that i can pray and give thanks and peace comes immediately while God's bringing the answer to pass in my life. I have to bring thanksgiving. Look, it's like this. Remember what I, I, I taught us, what we learned from Luke 17. Ten lepers healed. Only one comes back. And we learned that thanksgiving is really the coming back act. We, we, it says, as they were on their way, they realized they were healed. And nine just kept going. And one said, wait a minute, I'll catch up. I've got to come back and say thank you. All right, so, so when, watch this, when I come back to God, when I say thank you for what you've done, I'm coming back to Him. Now, watch this, we're looking at a pattern of prayer and thanksgiving. So, Jesus did this, and Philippians says, when I'm asking, at the same time, not after, when I'm asking, start thanking God. No, no. So, what happens when I thank God? I'm remembering what He's already done. So, when you pray with thanksgiving, you're Looking back on the faithfulness of God. See your face being built. And you're also inviting the presence of God into that moment. Remember I taught you that giving a testimony. When you give a testimony. Part of the original biblical language is the, for the word testimony. Is that it happens again. Alright. Why do we need to testify and tell what God has done? Listen to me. When somebody gives a testimony in church. Biblically what happens the same anointing, presence, power, grace that created the miracle they're talking about is released again in that moment in our midst. It brings it back. I've seen it many times. I've been in meetings and somebody stands up and, and God can heal many people many ways. They'll say, I was just healed of deafness. And boom, five more people get healed of that. What happened? It did it again. It released the faith. So watch this. When I give thanks to God, when I come back, I'm in my prayer life, and I'm needing this answer now, but I go back and say, thank you for what you've done. I thank you for that. I thank you for that. Now I get to today, and I thank you for what you're about to do. It releases the same power in my life today that was there when he did the miracle the first time. Are you with me? So when I come back to God in thanksgiving, get ready, God comes back to me with the miracle again. See, if I come back to God, God comes back to me. Every time I start giving thanks, I create a door for the presence of God to be renewed in my life. Biblically, the Bible gives that in James 4, 7. The Bible says, if you draw near to God, he draws near to you. If I come back and say thanks, God comes back to me again. If I want to experience the same blessing Listen, how many remember when you got saved? Wasn't it a blessing? Was it good? Was it awesome? Whoa, it was good. Man, I'm going to tell you, it, it blew my mind. It, 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 it revolutionized me. So every once in a while, I go back. 
and say, Lord, I just want to thank you for saving me. And I walk through that night again. Oh, God, I thank you for your mercy and your grace. I thank you for the miracles. I thank you for my mom and dad that prayed for me. I thank you for the pastor that preached that night. I thank you for how you changed my life. And you know what happens? Every time I go back and give him thanks, God brings that back to me again. And while I'm praying for someone to be saved, I'm praying with the faith and the presence of mind as I'm thanking God for what he's going to do for them. You see, when I come back, God comes back. It's an amazing blessing that revolutionizes our life. Last scripture, and I want our musicians and, 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 and singers to come. Now, you see it. They come. Come on. I want them to come. Watch this. Go to 2 Chronicles 20, verse 21. 2 Chronicles 20, 21. We're looking at the Jesus pattern, and we're going to... Uh, how many think we need to implement some of this this morning? Come on, tell me. Amen. Okay, we're going to do that. 2 Chronicles 20. 2 Chronicles 20. I want you to find this in verse 21. Man, I, there's some uh, <laughs> there's some amazing hidden uh, diamonds, gold in, in, in these verses, in these words, in these expressions. So look at this. We're in Second Chronicles twenty. Uh, here we find that uh, three armies had banded together against Israel and King Jehoshaphat. Right. And, and it, there's no way. It, it's as impossible to win that battle as five loaves and two fish to feed thousands of people. So the king had enough presence of mind. You know what he said? We're going to pray and fast today. And the whole nation turned out and prayed and fast. What if America? Oh, oh. What if America just one day shut down every business, closed every school? My God. Opened every church. And this nation pushed the table away. Pushed the work away. Pushed everything away. And we laid on our face before God. This nation is not unredeemable. It's not too late. But, but we have to give God a moment. Anyway, one of my dreams. Let's keep going. So, so they pray and fast and the prophet speaks. Is this what God says? He says, I've heard your prayer. That's when it starts getting good. And he says, you're not going to have to fight the battle. Oh, it's getting better. And he says, I'm going to go before you. Oh, thank you, God. But he says, you're going to need to respond to me before the miracle happens. So the king does this crazy thing. He says, all right, uh, we're going to put the... Look, and I like this part. Come on, you know it's revival. It was an all men's choir. Come on, well. All men's choir. Are you with me, men? Come on, let me hear a let me hear a deep amen. Come on. <laughs> there you go. I sign you up. You got you sing bass. Get up here, Sunday. Okay. So this choir of men gets in front, say before. Before the army, before the miracle. And, and, and verse 21 says, after consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him. Now, I, I, I like this word praise. <laughs> you you want to know what, what the word praise, halal, we get from the word hallelujah, praise to God, halal. Are you ready? He said, this is what I want you to do before. It means to uh, shine, to make a show, to boast. To be clamorously foolish. 
to rave, R-A-V-E. And these young guys think the rave they came up with. God, God was having a rave before you ever. And nobody needed to drop ecstasy to make it happen. They're having a rave before you ever heard of a mosh pit. And that's already history now. To celebrate, to boast, to foolishly give glory. It goes on and says to be mad. I like crazy man, not mad at people. So it said, I want you to praise me like that. Are you with me? I'm not asking you to do that today. I'm just trying to set the stage. So that's how they did this. So he said, I want you to do that to Halal for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army saying, so that's how they gave thanks. Because then it says here, what did they say? Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. Before the answer, give thanks to God. Now, how did they do it? They did it loud. They did it proud. They boasted. They danced. They shouted. These men were just going all out. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, God. And and, and this word, this word, come on. I, it, it, it just, the, the word for that is the word yada. Yah is the Hebrew word for your hand. And it means to extend the hand. It means to lift my hand up. There's another Hebrew word for thanksgiving, toda, which is from the derivative of yada. And it means I put my hands up like a sacrifice of praise to my God. And before I ever got the answer, I had my hands up in the air. I said, I want to thank you. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what it sounds like. I don't need somebody to help me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Come on. Let's everybody stand for a minute. Oh, it gets better. So that word not only means to raise your hand, the derivative, the, the original word yada means to extend it like you threw a stone or like you threw an arrow. So every time you raise your hand before it happens, you're throwing arrows at the devil. You're throwing stones at your enemy. And the Bible says that by the time they are got to the battlefield, that the armies had gotten so confused they killed each other and it took them three days to carry all the loot back to their city so the place that the devil had designed to kill them became the place of the greatest victory and blessing they had ever had 